Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all my baggage droppers around the world, welcome to another episode of the Drop Your Baggage Podcast with me, your host, the self-talk engineer, Charles Wolfork, and we have a phenomenal guest with Stephanie Perea. But first, I want to ask everybody out there, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook podcast, please subscribe. And if you're on YouTube or Facebook, give me a thumbs up, a like button, click. And then if you are on the podcast platform, give a brother five stars and some feedback. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, this podcast is where we talk to people that are dope, that can give us hope. And of course, teach us a technique to help us cope. And this podcast is brought to you by Brienne and Company. Brienne and Company is a jewelry boutique that makes durable minimalist jewelry with genuine pearls, local shells, and sea glass, natural gemstones, precious metals, and quality handcrafted designs by Brienne Light herself. So if you want to go and check that out for some amazing jewelry, please go to BrienneAndCo.com or on her Instagram and Facebook at Brienne and Company. And now, ladies and gentlemen, rep representing over here from San Diego, we have Stephanie Perea. Now, Stephanie's parents are from Mexico, but they moved to San Diego area. She is a boss chick with a doctorate in clinical psychology. And she is a self-described outspoken diva kind of person that transitioned from psychology to coaching. And she started coaching in 2020. She's a trauma and anxiety coach. And she works with women who are survivors of trauma or struggle with a lot of anxiety. And her hobbies are meditating, working out, cardio. Look at those muscles she's got there. Stretching and reading, no matter how slow it is and how long it takes. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you Stephanie Perea. Uh, what's up, Stephanie? And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Just wanted to add a little bit. <laughs> There's so much excitement. Uh, I'm doing so, so well. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm really looking forward to just I don't know, doing this thing. <laughs> I am looking forward to it, too. We're going to have a milestone uh, in the Drop Your Baggage podcast. Uh, and we'll tell you guys about that later. It's just a sneak peek of what's about to happen. But first... I, you know, a lot of people, especially women out there, little girls out there that might listen to this podcast can be so inspired by your story. So please, by all means, tell us about how you've had such success academically and now how you're having success entrepreneurially. Absolutely. Um, so as most immigrant parents, um, they tell you that you you got to be a doctor, you got to be a lawyer, you got to be something, right? You got to go to school for a long time and and that's how you're going to make lots of money. <laughs> so um, lo and behold, I decided to go to school. I didn't know what I wanted to do for a very long time. But um, as I jumped in, I knew that I was going to go all the way. I was going to go and, and get my doctorate degree. And, and so I just programmed that into my head. And I was like, okay, all I got to do is continue getting into schools, continue getting good grades. And it's, I, it's, I'm going to get there. There's just like no way that I'm not going to get there. Mm -hmm. And so I came from that very like rigid plan of like, if you just do the work, you're going to get to the end point and it's going to be, it's going to be what it is. Like you're going to get the degree and you're going to be done. So when I transitioned from the academic world of, you know, in the, the field of psychology to this other field of entrepreneurship and coaching where there isn't these classes and certifications and rules that you have to follow to get to the end, end goal. 
I felt so lost, mm. right? I felt so scared. I was, um, it, it really did force me to do a lot of my own personal growth because um, it brought up all the insecurities. It brought up all the fears, all the self-doubt. Um, and then it also brought up kind of like the shame, right? Because most people didn't understand what I was doing. They're like, wait, you went to school for eight years. You got this doctorate degree in psychology and now you don't want to do the psychologist's job. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I want to be a coach instead. And it, it was funny because the, the, the job, the work that I actually do with my clients is very similar. However, the process that I was allowed to do it from um, was completely different in the field of psychology than the field of coaching. Therefore, like I chose the field of coaching and I chose that I liked the liberty. But the ironic thing was that when that liberty was like given to me. So like, I didn't have the boss telling me what to do. I didn't have the running to do list. And I got to create all the things, right. I got to decide my time uh, that I worked. I got to decide the workflow that I wanted to do the everything. It was like, I missed having the boss telling me what to do. <laughs> I missed it because I had to think for myself. And it's so funny because most of us since uh, since like childhood, when we're in grade school, we're, mm -hmm. we're trained to have somebody else tell us what to do. And so we just do it. And that's how we progress through life. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, like, at the age of like, what, 25, I was getting ready to graduate in like the next coming year. And I had a crisis because I was like, I don't know how to do anything besides be a student. Like, <laughs> I want to do more than that. Be a functional human. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so it kind of felt like, you know, when you go bowling, and you have the the little bumpers. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it feels like when you have like the boss telling you what to do, the teachers, the teachers or the professors telling you what to do, where right? you have everybody else bumping you around. Mm -hmm. um, but when you go into entrepreneurship and you just build your own business and you find this place where you get to just be and do whatever it is that you think helps and you can create and um, help people however you want to help them, like those bumpers go down. Mm -hmm. Right. And so think about it. Like, when you are bowling with bumpers, you feel really great. You feel confident. You're like, you know, it's going to hit some kind of pins at the end. Right. But when you take the bumpers off, you have a lot of doubt, right? A lot of fear that it's going to go, you're going to get a gutter ball. And, and if you get into the gutter, you know that you're not hitting any pins. So that was kind of my main struggle <laughs> in transitioning from the academic life, the, the student life, you know, the, even like the corporate life to something so freeing as the entrepreneurial side of business where yeah. you're just set free to roam. <laughs> but like you're this boss chick that, you know, have obviously has obviously done multiple things so successfully. So did you know, like, did you see it as, did you ever see it as like, Hey, as long as I, you know, trust the process, as long as I do this, this, and this, then I can be as successful in entrepreneurship that I am as that I was as a, a clinical psychologist. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think it, it took me a while, right? It took me mm -hmm. like that first full year in, in business to figure myself out, like yeah. to, to go through that personal growth to get to the place where I was like, Oh, this is inevitable. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hit the pins at the end of, you know, the bowling alley. I just got to keep practicing or I got to keep doing these things to, to get myself in a better position and, 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 know how to navigate these waters because I was really good at navigating the other waters right and so it's not it's not much different it's just a different way to work through it and so yeah I had to do a lot of the personal growth for myself 
for the first year. And so I didn't really make lots of money the first year. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) And that's just how it starts. But like, okay, so like, what was the personal growth that you had to do? Was it something that was a shift? Obviously, most personal personal growth is mindset and habits um, and, and being consistent. Mindset, habits, consistency equals growth, if you will. So what three parts of those, where did you have to make the biggest transition or the, the, the biggest growth with those three parts? Oh my God. And all of them and absolutely all of them. I mean, like my mindset was definitely trash uh, <laughs> around of a lot of, a lot of things because I was so used to just doing what I was told. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there was so much like self-doubt and I felt too inferior. So despite having all of these great achieve- achievements under mm-hmm. my belt, mm-hmm. I still felt so small. And I felt like, um, almost like my, my way, my education, what my knowledge, my way of thinking, like, I was like, people aren't going to pay for this. Like, Hmm. they're not going to think they're not going to think my mind is something exciting. Like, nobody wants to listen to me talk, right. And so it was like, very self defeating, um, just limiting beliefs that kept me really small. And um, I remember just acknowledging that I had all of those limiting beliefs and then choosing to jump anyways. And I was like, well, I think very poorly of myself. I'm going to jump in and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I can respect that now and see like my entire life. I've kind of been like that. I'm, I'm a person that it's like, I'm going to throw myself in there. It's either sink or swim. And for the majority of times I end up swimming, which I think most people do. Right. Um, but it's having the courage to jump and decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try it. Like I'm, uh, I'm, there's no way back, right. I'm going to either, I'm going to either sink or swim. I'm going to make it or not. Um, and I think that that's been something that now I can admire and like, like that about myself where I couldn't recognize that before. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize that almost like as a superpower. I recognize, I didn't actually see it at all. I just saw it as I'm just afraid of everything. Um, and so that was, I think, one of like the biggest parts of me that I had to grow into was like feeling good enough, right? Feeling like I was worthy, feeling like my achievements actually do make me an outstanding person, mm-hmm. right? And being able to take that compliment for myself and accept that. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was finally able to share my knowledge in a way that didn't feel like I was looking for approval or validation. It was more of like, no, let me tell you what I what I know, I went to school for a year. Who who goes to school for that freaking long? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Doctors. Right? Like, yeah, like doctors. Right? <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, uh, that was one of the biggest issues with me in the psychology field was that like, um, a lot of the times, like with the red tape and the bureaucracy, it's like the insurances get to decide what kind of treatment I give to my patients instead mm. of me. And I'm like, well, fuck, like I'm the doctor. I went to school for eight years. I feel like I should decide what treatment to give my patients. <laughs> All right, but that's the whole great thing about coaching is that there isn't insurances to tell you, hey, this is what we're going to pay for or not. It's like, oh, I get to decide because I'm the one that did the work and I can show other people how to, you know, how to get in touch with themselves, how to process through their trauma, how to let go of the anxiety, how to like live a good quality life despite what's going on in their life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's like, this it's been like this really big identity shift mm-hmm. from like who I was to who I am now. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And a year and a half or so, like 
or maybe a little bit more, almost two years, right? That I'm just like, I'm almost like unrecognizable. I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Stephanie back in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was not too, she's not doing so hot. <laughs> that, the inferiority complex or that um, imposter syndrome is the worst. Because yeah. like, you know what you know, and obviously you got into the business because you feel as though you have enough expertise to help someone. However, you're still like, damn, like, is it going to be good enough? What is this person going to think or that person going to think? And most of all, what, what really happened for me was that I started comparing myself to the knowledge of other coaches. It's like, yeah. damn, but you know what? Tony's got this and Darren Hardy's got that. It's like, man, I don't know if I can match up against those dudes when, in all honesty, it's just a race and you got to run your race. You know what I mean? Like if it was a, a marathon for a special event, I'm not going to try to run with the the Kenyan, you know what I mean? At the very <laughs> at the beginning, you know what I mean? At the, at the very front, I'm going to run my race. And if I got to walk, sometimes I got to walk. If I have to uh, just jog a little bit, if you know, sometimes I could even do a, a couple fast paced, uh, not sprints, but a, a couple fast paced <laughs> runs. And, and in all reality, uh, with it, with us not looking for those short-term um, successes, but mm-hmm. for that long-term success of something that we build with a, of a great foundation, that, mm-hmm. those are the, the that's the thing that's really going to take. That's really the thing that has taken me so far within my career and how I help people even more. And the fear, the fear of of not being good enough the fear of am i going to fall on my face the fear of oh snap i got to make all these decisions on my own those uh breaking through those has brought me to a place and probably you as well has brought us to a place to where now once we break through them it's a confidence that can never be taken away and has been so beneficial for my clients and i'm sure yours as well Mm mm-hmm and like the, the biggest lesson that I've learned in, in just the studies that I do and how I help my clients and applying all of the stuff that I was teaching to myself, mm-hmm. it's like the only real thing that gets in our way is just our emotions. That's really just it. And if you know how to you know, process through your emotions, bring your nervous system down, which is like your biological re- response to your emotions, essentially mm-hmm. what it is, right? Mm-hmm. That if you can regulate that, then you're freaking unstoppable. Hell yeah. right? And that's like, that's what I teach my clients. It's like trauma or no trauma. If you don't know how to regulate your biological like alert system and mm-hmm. you don't know how to regulate and make sense of your emotions, then it doesn't matter what, what comes up into your, like your circumstance in that moment. Like it doesn't matter what comes up in your present. If, you know, and the the simplest way to look at it is like, if someone's like, hey, we're going to Disneyland, but you don't know how to regulate your emotions and your nervous system is hyperactive, it's going to think, crap, it's going to be so full. There's going to be so many people. There's going to be all these lines. It's going to be hot. I'm going to have a heat stroke. I'm going to die. Right? Like, you just went into this complete different place where it's like, oh, but like, if you're calm and you can regulate and you understand your emotions, like. Yeah, you feel excited and amped and you're actually motivated to go to Disneyland mm-hmm. versus I don't even want to go anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? And so even like a circumstance that can just objectively look like a positive thing can be read as something completely negative And it's mm-hmm. just dependent on where the person is. It's right? all and about- that phenomenal. Like it's just like mind blowing to, to, to know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so on this point of anxiety. 
right? That people can get. I I um see that there's there's a couple things that help with anxiety or number one, the main thing that helps with anxiety for me, and I know this is your expertise, but like gratitude is huge. Gratitude is just outstanding, yo. When you are in a place of gratitude, you it is very hard to get into a depressed depressive mode. It is very hard to get into the anxiety. It's it's very hard to to get angry at, at things when you have this like overwhelming gratitude of what's going on like around you, all the different blessings that you're counting, and taking advantage of utilizing all of those at the same time. So that same person that's going to that theme park can think man, I'm going to have such a great time with my family, man, it's going to be a beautiful day, man, I'm going to eat so much good food, man, I'm going to ride so many different rides, man, I might see Mickey Mouse, I don't know, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> there's so many things to be grateful for, that's one. And then it's all about, and, and with that co- goes perspective as well. It's like, man, I get to go to a theme park and there's some kids out there that can't go to a theme park. I, I get to go to a theme park and I, I go, go get to go with my family or friends and some people don't have close family or some people don't have friends. So it's like that perspective, that shift in your perspective, it makes a ton of like a world of a difference when it comes to someone having that experience. Because uh, what I learned from uh, James Clear uh, in the Atomic Habits is that your experiences shape your beliefs and your beliefs shape your experiences. So if you have this belief that the world sucks and that I'm going to die and I'm just going to always have a bad experience, then that's what you're going to go through. That's what you're, the, that's what you're going to manifest in the yeah. long run. Yeah. So it's just staying in that place of a great attitude of gratitude while having a perspective of someone that uh, is better off than someone else and not in like a, a bougie way but mm-hmm. in a way that um can display that gratitude in a stronger um a stronger way sure i mean and, and it just depends like it, i think practicing the gratitude and, and practicing shifting that perspective is something that's super super valuable but when it comes to like severe anxiety and trauma it's no longer a cognitive thing that you can work through. It turns into a biological thing, right? And so now it's not your brain that's betraying you because logically, you know that you're safe. It's more that your body is betraying you and saying, hey, I'm ringing the alarm. Something's going on. I'm freaking out here, right? And so it's it's some of the deeper work that I do is helping my clients feel safe in their body again, right? Which is something that for for maybe us is is like, that's, that's crazy. Like, what do you mean? what? It's my body. Of course I feel safe in it. Right. But it's like, oh, when women trauma survivors um, have this very negative relationship with their body, they disconnect from it. Right. And so their, their body is on high alert because there, there's not that harmony between your mind and your brain and your soul. And so all of that needs to be in harmony in order for us to have a good quality of life for, in order for us to actually register gratitude as something that's a good feeling. We first have to get out of that survival mode. Because if we're in survival mode, we can't, you know, like if some bear is chasing you, you're not like, oh, I'm so grateful that I'm alive. No, you're you're fucking looking for a way to run or hide or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you're, you're looking to survive. And so, like, that's where a lot of my female clients are. It's like they're constantly in the survival mode, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is where therapy sometimes fails because 
there is a lot of cognitive processing during therapy and a Mm -hmm. lot of talking, right? Where they're like, Hey, my brain is not the issue right now. It's like my body, right? Like I can't get my body to calm down. Mm -hmm. Um, So a big, a big exercise that I really like is just doing um, breathing retraining. Um, And it it's part of stimulating our vagus nerve, which is part of the sympathetic system, which calms us down. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really simple. You just inhale for a count of five, hold it for two seconds and then exhale for a count of eight to 10, right? The long exhale, the long, slow exhale is what stimulates that nerve that goes through our body mm-hmm. and tells our body that everything is okay. Right now for some people, it's just going to feel, it's going to feel okay to do it for a little bit, but then it might be like a minute later, they're like, Oh, feeling, feeling safe is unsafe. Right. And so they'll go into this other cycle of like, now I'm unsafe because I felt safe. And and it's just this back and forth project of like, okay, we created safety for like one minute. Great. Now we're going to go back to unsafety and then we're going to create safety for a minute and a half. Right. And you just keep building and building and building until the person feels normalized or that safety feels normalized in that person's body. Does that make sense? 100%. 100,000%. Thank you for expanding my consciousness on that. You know, me as not someone that studied the brain, well, in in that certain way, um, only has like such a narrow view of it. But you're talking about fight or flight all the time. Like, that is something totally different that that I have had clients deal with. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, I have the exercise, mental and emotional release that we're going to be doing. So subconscious now. Dr. Joe Dispenza consistently talks about how the subconscious is the body mm-hmm. and, and how like the, you know, you are constantly in that mode because your personal reality is something of fear that releases that um, cortisol and that adrenaline in just a second because of a thought. And then you go back to that place. And in order to make the deepest type of change, you have to do it subconsciously, but it takes practice. You know what I mean? It, like you said, it's about stretching that awareness over time. So it could be a minute to a minute and 30 to two minutes of just feeling that comfort and knowing that it's okay. Because with that comfort, people also feel like they let it, they're letting their guard down and they're vulnerable. When a- actually vulnerability is one of the greatest superpowers that you can actually have as well. Exactly. Especially in any kind of healing journey or um, relationship, like vulnerability is going to be the main thing that you tap into to create successes in both of those spectrums. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. (laughs) You're the shit. Uh, So like I said, on the Drop Your Baggage podcast, we talk to people that are dope that can give you hope and also teach you a technique that can help you cope. And that technique is mental and emotional release. And today we're going to do something a little different. Usually I help clients, not clients, but I help people on the podcast um, release anger, sadness or fear. But Stephanie here is throwing a curveball at me right before the podcast began. And she said that she wanted to release, like, uh, what did you say? The fear of, like, disappointing someone. The fear of being wrong. The fear of being wrong. I'm like, that's that's not usually a fear that people have. So I asked her, okay, go ahead and focus on what that would make you feel. And she said it would feel shame. So we're going to release shame today on the podcast. This is a first, and I'm so excited to do so. Um, but first of all, I want to let all of you guys know to please, please, please do not try this uh, by yourself. Uh, meditating is a great technique as 
uh, Stephanie just said with a breathing exercise, that's also a, a sort of meditation. Um, mm -hmm. But if you are going to do this specific technique, please uh, consult with a, a neuro-linguistic programming uh, or a certified practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. I am not a psychologist or a therapist or a social worker or a counselor like that. That you can go to Stephanie for that, um, but <laughs> well, not anymore. Never. But uh, yes, please go to someone. And if you want to learn more about this technique, go to Eliminating Insecurities Now. Once again, that is Eliminating Insecurities Now. Now, with eliminating shame, why do you want to eliminate shame? Why do you want to release or process shame? I should say instead of eliminate. I think shame. Well. Generally speaking, shame is usually a big barrier to most humans <clears throat> overall, because shame just feels extremely uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and for the most part, we, we don't really know what shame feels like because we don't spend a lot of time recognizing it. Um, but I know that for me in my own path, in my own journey, um, growing up just culturally with a Hispanic background, it was just like a lot of shame based stuff. There's a lot of like joking and you get a lot of nicknames and like and all of it isn't a joking you know, like good way I guess but in the end when we break down what's actually happening it's like a form of bullying right and, and bullying all that is is shaming and so I think for the longest time I've carried shame and so if something happens I always feel like I've done something wrong or like there's something wrong with me right and mm -hmm. kind of like that belief of like I'm not good enough that I shared earlier like that's always kind of hovering around. And so I noticed that shame stops me a lot of the times that the fear of feeling shame or something doing something wrong, making a mistake, right, that it's, um, it does stop me, especially now, like in my business, where I'm growing and expanding, and I'm like, Oh, I don't want to say something that makes somebody else mad, mm -hmm. right? And it's that fear of experiencing shame or that resistance towards shame. So I, I see that it still gets in my way yeah. when um, when I want to take risks and I want to do something different. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a big part of why I think shame is a good emotion that I would like to release. It shows up in everywhere. It shows up in my relationship sometimes where I, I don't want to admit that I was wrong. And so I try to avoid it in every mm -hmm. kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it creates a lot of issues too, because it puts your brain into this blaming mode, mm -hmm. right? And so you either blame yourself for everything or you blame the world outside of you for everything. And, and that doesn't serve anybody, right? It's taking that responsibility. So yeah, shame is just uh, an emotion that has its value, but that is inappropriate for most situations. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And with you taking on this new career and getting off the beaten path of what you were supposed to do, there definitely can be uh, a lot of fear of being wrong and the shame that goes with not doing what your parents wanted and what the culture wanted and what everybody expected you to do. And it's like, uh, you know, they probably had something to say about that, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so like uh, now the pressure is on for you to succeed as well. Or do you feel that pressure? Um, not necessarily to succeed. I think in the beginning I did feel that pressure. Yeah. Um, I think now it's more, I have stepped into that space of like, it's inevitable that I'm going to succeed. It feels good. I know that I'm not going to like lose everything that I have. I'm not going to end up homeless on the street. You know, like <laughs> even though my brain wants to tell me that that's what's going to happen. I know that that's not going to happen. Um, but it's more of just like, I, I want to be free. Right. You know, I think our emotions sometimes cage us in and I, 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 
wholeheartedly believe that shame, guilt, and helplessness are one of the biggest emotions that create these mental cages for us to stuck in. Big time, big time. Let's go ahead and release that shame today. Um, With the mental and emotional release process, all you have to do, we went over this before, all you have to do is three things. Number one, you need to use your imagination. Most importantly, you have to follow directions. I always say this, so no offense, but if you do your own thing, you're going to screw it up. So every word that I say is very important. So please follow directions. Number three is to trust the process. Know that I'm your guide and I'm going to be leading you through this easily and effortlessly. And we created your timeline, uh, your pa- uh, if your past can be to your left, to your right, or behind you, where's your past? Behind me. Where's your future? In front of me. Perfect. Now, the most important thing that we're going to be doing right now is changing our negative thought patterns to positive thought patterns. So we're going to be observing events and the negative thoughts about that event do not matter. In order to make true change, in order to, in order to truly change the, your perspective, your life around like how you feel around shame, you have to see things through or you have to change that negative thought pattern to a positive thought pattern. So the learnings that you have and the empathy that you have and the compassion that you have for yourself and others is so important. It's so important. And I'll remind you of that. But if you really, really want to make true change, that th- those th- uh, thoughts that cause you to be like uh, to feel shameful you want to switch those over to a truth a truth of empathy of acceptance of forgiveness for yourself and others cool cool awesome so is it all right with your unconscious mind for you to release this shame today and for you to be aware of it consciously yes awesome what is the root cause of this problem? The first event, which when disconnected will cause this problem to disappear. If you were to know, what was the first time that you felt shame when you were a little girl? Hmm. I want to say I was probably around six. I was in elementary school. Um, I My first language was Spanish. So I grew up only speaking Spanish. And so when I started kindergarten and first grade, I didn't know the language so I didn't know any English um and I felt really scared and confused a lot of the times and I remember this time I went into the boys bathroom because I didn't know what the sign meant right and I went to the boys bathroom I went in there I saw a boy and I was like oh I can't be in here (laughs) and rolled out of the boys bathroom nonchalantly and tried to make my way over to the girls bathroom without anybody noticing me but lo and behold one of the boys saw me and started laughing and making Mm -hmm. fun of me for being in the boys bathroom and um I don't remember if I cried but I did remember feeling that heavy shame of like oh I'm being laughed at there's something wrong with me I did something wrong this you know I'm so dumb kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and so funnily enough like that memory has always been been there I always remember it in the back Mm -hmm. of my head and I think that that's probably the first time where I felt shame 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 yeah that came yeah yeah that's that's a really really good one first of all because it's so vivid in your mind but second of all because it's so young you see like that's the root cause that's where it all started and then just Mm -hmm. boom it goes from there that's Mm -hmm. excellent all right (laughs) you can go let's go ahead and get uh ready let's do the process so you can go ahead and close your eyes and relax and let me know when you're ready for the process to drop your baggage
I'm ready. Awesome. Now, just imagine floating up above your timeline and float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above that first event in which you felt shame when you were just a little girl and to hover above that little girl and see yourself and those boys in the bathrooms and everything that was in the event. Just like it was like a TV show. Let me know when you can see that little girl. I can see her. Can you see everyone else in the event as well? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Now just stay right there being the observer of the event in that position. Now just ask your unconscious mind what it needs to learn from the event. The learning of which will allow you to let go of the emotions easily and effortlessly. Your unconscious mind can preserve the learnings so that if you need them in the future, they'll be there. Just tell your unconscious mind to preserve the learnings. What is something positive and empowering you can tell that little girl with the consciousness that you have today that will allow the emotions to evaporate like water on the concrete on a hot summer day? Once again, very importantly, what is something positive and empowering you can tell that little girl and everyone involved in the event with the consciousness that you have today that would allow the emotions to evaporate like water on the concrete on a hot summer day. And as you preserve these learnings, the emotions are starting to dissipate more and more until they're all gone. Just let me know when they're all gone. Okay. Awesome. Now, once again, the most important thing about this whole exercise is the, the positive thought pattern. So now let me know. What did you learn? With your eyes closed and with you looking at that little girl and everyone else involved in the event, what did you learn? I learned that I was blaming myself. I didn't have to, like, I didn't have any resentment or um, resentment or anger or even, like, the shame attached to, like, the boys that left. It was my... It was the connection I had to myself. I learned that I didn't have to be, I didn't have to beat myself up. That I, how did I expect myself to know something that I never learned? And that it's okay. Mm -hmm. And looking at that little girl and the whole event that, from the uh, from the conscious consciousness that you have now, what learning will help you in the future? I'm supposed to make mistakes. I'm not. I know it all. I don't know everything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, just imagine floating up above your timeline and float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above the dinosaurs during the prehistoric age. Let me know when you're above the dinosaurs. Okay, I think I'm there. Awesome. Now, as you're above the dinosaurs during the prehistoric age, flow deeper and deeper into space to where space and the atmosphere connects. And imagine your timeline is the size of a fingernail. Let me know when you're there. I'm there. 
All right. I'll just float there. Weightless. In space. And now ask yourself, where are the emotions? Tell me, are they there or have they disappeared now? Yeah, I don't have them. Awesome. Now, just imagine floating down inside the event, seeing through your own eyes as a little girl and check on the emotions. Tell me, are they there or have they disappeared now? They're not there. Awesome. Float back above the dinosaurs and then float into space to where space and the atmosphere connects. Let me know when you're there. I'm there. All right. Listen very, very closely. Float very, very high above your timeline, above each and every event in which you felt shame from birth until now in chronological order. Don't skip one event that has a charge on it. Preserve the learnings and let go of all the shame all the way back to now. Take your time. Go. Okay. All gone? All gone. Awesome. Float down into your body and open your eyes when you're ready. I'm back. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> ah, how does that feel? That feels so calming. Yeah. Yeah. Just like so light, right? Just like, I don't know. Just yeah. like so freeing, so light. Um, that was a really good exercise. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm like, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just kind of gone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's test it out. Uh, can you smell bacon? Can I smell bacon right now? Yeah. No? Okay. <laughs> that's a, that's a uh, NLP technique to help you break state. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you remember a time in the past in which you used to feel that old emotion? And go back and notice if you can feel it, or you may find that you cannot. I mean, I think of old situations where it was easily accessible, and now it's not, it's not there anymore. That's nice. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I want you to imagine going out into the future to an unspecified time in the future, which if it would have happened in the past, you would have felt shame. And see if you can find that old emotion or you may find that you cannot. No. Congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> Congratulations. You just released a bunch of shame. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so a lot of the people that are listening right now, have never experienced this. So can you kind of put it in words on what you just went through? So it felt like, it felt like going back and making sense of the situation and like taking that observer stance and being able to simply acknowledge the facts of the situation without any judgment. Um, and once the judgment was removed, the shame like disappeared. 
Yeah. And as I went through other parts of my timeline and just looked at things very objectively, the shame continued to disappear. Yeah. Uh, um, was, were some of those things hard to look at at first? Um, not necessarily. I think I've done a lot of my own sh work around shame. Of course. Um, yes. So they weren't hard to look look at them, but I could pinpoint them really easily. Yeah. Where I could call them out and be like, oh, that's it. That's it. And I like have done a lot of work to recognize shame so I could mm -hmm. identify it. Mm -hmm. um, so I could identify it. And so going through the timeline and kind of scanning through to apply that objective perspective to each situation, um, it was kind of simple to be able to jump from one to the other and recognize, oh, that's the shame that I felt. Why did I feel it? Where was it coming from? Oh, it wasn't true. It didn't make sense. It was inappropriate. Moving mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what I've noticed about this technique is that the observer role helps a whole lot. So you're not like going back into it and re-traumatizing yourself and trying to make sense of everything like while you're in it. Because that's how we usually see. That's how I usually see things, and how most people usually see things is with, through first-person point of view and how you experienced it. So that observer role of you being disconnected from it and seeing the whole event objectively really helps. But like you said, it's like okay, now objectively, that little girl, that like she just made a mistake. You know what I mean? And she didn't have to be hard on herself. And like it's, it was, it had nothing to do with the boys. Mm -hmm. Was that one of the first times that you that you like thought that before? Um, I think I've known that, but I just never articulated it. Yeah. Because I didn't, I, I knew that it wasn't, whenever I would think about it, it was always about like me mm -hmm. and, you know, being in my little shame bubble, <laughs> but it had nothing really to do with the, the boys and what they did. It was mm -hmm. more of just like, I was like, uh, kind of like encapsulated into this shame bubble. Mm -hmm. And that's really what the majority of my memory was, was the shame of coming out and feeling that sensation all over my body. Yeah. Yeah. Your relationship with yourself now, seeing like that you went through your timeline, how many, how many events do you think you had in your timeline? Or that, yeah. that where I felt shame? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot, but there's, probably only like five that really stood out that I kind of honored on the way through. Cause I was like, okay, if those are the ones that are coming up. Those are the ones that need this. Exactly. Um, versus trying to like scan through right. all of my timeline. Right. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so just think like you had like five little, like not five little, but five breakthroughs in this one little, in this one session. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So has your, how do you feel like your relationship with yourself will change? in the future, seeing those five major um, events in a different way? I think, I think I will be more, not, I want to say lenient, but like being able to step into that observer role and just look at what's happening versus um, all of my own interpretations and evaluation moving forward. It, I won't feel so hesitant to take risks, to say things without a filter, to <laughs> communicate with people in a way that again, I feel is my duty to like the way that I can communicate the knowledge that I know. Um, so it's not censored. So it's not uh, vague and 
you know, trying to appease everyone, the people pleasing stuff needs to go away. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I think with the shame kind of dissipating a bit or completely actually, because it's not there anymore. um, It gives me that freedom to just do whatever I think is going to be good for me or for my clients, you know? Yeah. I love having your perspective with you being like a clinical clinical psychologist because you like you said you've done the work you can you can spot these things you can feel it and now it's like you see like oh man my mindset was this this was my thought pattern and now this is the new thought pattern what's the major thought pattern that you had got like what was the major theme that you had to have throughout your timeline too I think the major like the one that stood out was like you're supposed to make mistakes yeah you weren't supposed to know Yeah, this was supposed to happen kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that even coming to the future where I'm at now or the present where I'm at now is like, yeah, I'm supposed to not know these things. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to, you know, fall on my face a couple of times and all the, the, you know, the failures are supposed to happen. Yeah. And so they're, oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> ah, that's huge. Like as an entrepreneur, we're supposed to fail forward. You know, and we're all doing we're only doing the best that we can with the resources and consciousness that we have. Mm-hmm. So the resources we have plenty of, of course, but the consciousness part, yeah. you know, and that's where we get through coaches. You know what I mean? Like I definitely invested in some culture, coaches and consultants through books and courses. The, the um, That's where the consciousness comes from. And that's how we, we advance. But until then, we just fail forward and keep making mistakes until we become more proficient. at at our crafts yeah and i mean it it gets me to a place of kind of understanding that i'm not supposed to know it all right like (laughs) there's so much to know and i'm not going to be able to know it all uh and that's okay and i don't i don't actually want to know it all it's a it's a lot of work to know things (laughs) (laughs) so if i don't know it's like oh i don't know that that's Mm -hmm. okay yeah that's it like that's it that's period (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like there's nothing else to be said That's yeah it. I love it. it's okay i don't know it it's fine <laughs> <laughs> hey but i'm but i'm willing to learn though i'm willing to yeah. test and and i'm willing to experiment and and learn which is the best part like, yeah i'm not supposed to know and the only way that i can know is by going out there and, and fucking doing it yeah and that's a great uh perspective to add on to it i think kind of like the phrase like I'm not supposed to learn but mm-hmm. I'm willing to learn mm-hmm. um that actually sparks a, a much like I don't know inclusive thought yeah. and I like it because that that just leaves space to be a learner for the rest of your life and not feel shame I right. think a lot of us get to a, a peak and we're like oh well I should know everything I'm the expert in this field and then mm-hmm. someone comes along and teaches you something and why not take it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're like, what? I thought I wrote the book on this. Like, oh. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Exactly. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Of course. I. This was so fun. I really enjoyed it. I've, I've always been kind of a skeptic um, with things. And this is my very logical, almost black and white thinking, right, that I had mm. to break out of. But like, kind of a skeptic with hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic, you know, programming and all these other, um, all these other modalities, but in the end, everything works. And I'm mm-hmm. starting to learn that everything works. It's just what you decide to let work. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that it will work for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm a very big fan of this uh, this ancient guy from Palestine. Um, they they called him Jesus, and he used uh, <laughs> he used some very very um, he used faith uh-huh. as the biggest healer. Like so, people that just people had so much faith in this guy that they would touch him, and then they would just become healed. Or like he they had so much faith in him that, you know, whatever they wanted to manifest, that it would happen. Like the the um was it the centennial the, the, the soldier that came to him saying, Hey, my daughter's sick. I need your help. He's like, Well, go home. She's already your faith has already helped her, you know? So like even yeah. things like that, it's like all these different modalities can definitely work with an open mind, but also the most powerful uh, most powerfully the belief that it can't work. Yeah. And that's really what faith comes down to be is just our belief. <laughs> and it's so powerful. And it's so, so powerful. But Hell yeah. yeah. Hell Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I got you, girl. <laughs> um, uh, well, please, uh, would you love to, I would love for you to give um, the audience one more bit of uh, wisdom, um, wise words that you have for them. Wise words. Okay. My biggest takeaway from life so far is to slow down. There is no need to be rushing to the finish line because we all know what the finish line is and we all don't want to get there. So slow down, enjoy every single day, every single moment, even the uncomfortable, annoying moments. Enjoy those too. <laughs> Damn, you are such a queen. I love it. I love it. You're such a goddess. Stephanie, I appreciate it. And I appreciate every one of you guys out there for tuning in today. Thank you for uh, listening or watching the Drop Your Baggage podcast. Please uh, go ahead and subscribe if you, wherever you are, whatever platform you are, please subscribe. And if you're on Facebook or, or, or YouTube, please consider hitting the like and subscribe button. And I'll talk to you guys next time. So until then, take care of yourself and take care of one another. Peace. <laughs>